Uh, if I can encourage you to be taking your seats if you've not already done so, I have no problem battling with noise uh, and sound. I love the fact that we love one another, that we love chatting. That's the point of us being together. I also want to make the most of David being with us. Uh, David uh, has been, and we've said this in introducing David over the last few weeks, actually, is, 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 has been a father to us as a church. From the very beginnings of us being birthed as a church plant, of 18 of us in a lounge in Mosley, David has done the journey with us. He's fathered us, ensured that we don't go down the wrong path sometimes and pulled us back, as well as many times just coming alongside us and just saying, well done, keep going. And I tell you what, it just breathes life into you. I know for me as an individual, David has brought such deep and rich encouragement to me that has helped me throughout the years. Uh, and I know that David's journeyed with us, maybe from a distance, even within our last kind of 18, 24 months of living with suffering, living with unsettling in terms of not having somewhere to call home, all of that. And has continuously been there, either by uh, calls or texts of just saying, thinking, praying for you, which just means a lot. Um, Therefore, I know that what Dave is going to share with us, we've asked him to add in to all we're doing at the moment in terms of our prayer series, uh, to do something that will enrich us as a family, as a body. And therefore, I want to encourage us. Let's therefore receive all that he's going to share with us. Let's be active in our listening. I always find it really helpful to make notes. That's why I have my phone out. It's not because I'm texting people or looking at social media. It just allows me to stay engaged. So I say let's be active in our listening, and let's also be appreciative of him coming, not because he's someone special, but because he's got something to give to us. So I wonder if we could welcome David in a very, very ordinary way. Thank you so much for your welcome. It's great to be with you in this new home for you. Heard about it, but not been here before, so great to be here with you. I'm going to interrupt your series on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer, as I understand it, or the Christian family prayer, probably better expressed, uh, and talk about another prayer the prayer of a guy called Jabez from 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 to 10. A scripture that's probably, probably not many of you get many, many messages from the early part of Chronicles. And so we're looking at the prayer. Jabez, a little-known character from the Old Testament. That's the part of the Bible written before Jesus came. And his story occupies only two verses in the whole of the Bible. He's never mentioned again. He's not quoted anywhere else as the person of faith. Yet what he prays is a profound and powerful example that can change our lives. And that's what I want to see it do. I believe this prayer is to be an important lesson for individual believers here, but also to be prayed for you as a church going forward from this point. It's a powerful example of bold prayer. Well, I don't like to just take two verses without telling the story behind them because God's given us a wonderful book of stories. So what's the background story to this? Well, the people of Israel and Judah 
who made up the sadly divided people of God for much of their history in the Old Testament had been taken away captivity by two empires. Israel had been taken into captivity by the Assyrian Empire. Not Syrian, Assyrian. Okay, The Assyrians still exist as a people. I've been to an Assyrian village. They still speak Aramaic, the language spoken by Jesus. Um, but at that time, they were a mighty empire, and they took away the ten northern tribes uh, of Israel. And then the Judah, the southern kingdom, a few years later, had been taken away captivity into another empire, the empire of Babylon. After 70 years, a very small group of those that went to Babylon came back to the land of Israel. And the people there needed to be encouraged because of their smallness. They were part, that need to be encouraged that they were part of the history of God's people. By the way, one thing that's very, very important for us as Christians is to remember our history. I'm glad even in relation to the building, you sort of did that. And so they need to be encouraged because of their smallness that they were part of the history of God's people. And also, for many of them, they needed to know that they could return to their family land. Because remember, when the empires took people away, they then redeposited lots of other people back in that territory. Therefore, a chronicler, I don't know if you know that word, but it's a word that describes a writer of historical events in order, spent two books setting out their history. This was all done after they'd come back to the, to the land, starting with their family tree or genealogies going right back to the beginning of time. If you're reading through the Bible, which some of us do, it's always a good thing to do, then when you get to the first nine chapters of the book of Chronicles, you either breathe a sigh of relief because you can read through it very, very quickly because it's just a list of names that are unpronounceable, <laughs> or you are puzzled because nothing much will feed you today. <laughs> but it <laughs> seems list pretty boring, lists of names, most of whom we've never heard of. But into this long list of names, the chronicler occasionally once or twice, insert something inspiring about one of the characters, including this guy, Jabez. So let's read the scripture and you'll see what I mean. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hila and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hepha, Temani, and Hashashtari. <laughs> These were the sons of Nara, I always want to get the context. The sons of Helah, Zereth, Ishar, and Ethnan. Koz fathered Anub, Zobibah, and the clans of Ahahel, the son of Haram. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And he goes back to his 
story. Cheleb, the brother of Shuha, fathered Mehir, who fathered Eshton. Eshton fathered Bethrapha, Pasaiah, and Tehinnah, the father of Ia Nahash. These are the men of Rekah. Okay, so I wanted to give you a flavor of that book, but also read these verses. It's a very, very powerful prayer. And I'd like us to pray it at the beginning of this time together. Okay, so let's read verses 9 and 10 together. Okay, after three, you ready? One, two, three. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I have bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. So what does this teach? Well, a number of things. It teaches us God's idea of honor which is often very different from ours. It says, Jabez was more honorable. Why? See, in the East, honor is very, very important. Much more important than in Western culture. And you're honored for a number of different things. You're honored because of what family you came from. Well, was Jabez honored because of that? No. Because he was more honorable than his brothers. And they came from the same family. Birth and upbringing gave honor in the world. But birth and your upbringing doesn't give honor in God's upside down kingdom. Remember that. Was he honored because of his great accomplishments? That's another thing people get honored for. No. No. We've no idea what he accomplished. The Bible never tells us his success story in terms of his accomplishments. Because of his background? No. All we know about him was that he got his name Jabez, which meant pain or misery. Now remember, for We know the name Jabez, but for them, they'd have known what it meant at the time. So he walked around being called misery. Okay? Or very painful. Presumably, well, not presumably, the Bible tells us this, his birth was even more painful and difficult than most. And may have been, it may have been a miracle that he and his mother survived. But he had to live with that dreadful name. Imagine. What's your name? Pain. (laughs) What's your name? Misery. (laughs) So why was he honored? Well, he was honored because he realized all his weakness and deficiency and therefore cried out to God in prayer because that's all he could do. 
He was honoured because he realised there was nothing honourable about him. There was nothing he could do. So he called out to God. That's honourable in God's sight. Honour in God's eyes is not boasting about ourselves or pushing ourselves forward, but to be so needy and dependent that we ask God because we can do nothing. As Jesus said, for apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. Come on, join in, come on. <laughs> I know I'm back in England and we don't do that, but just indulge me because I usually play, preach in places where people know how to shout out in the meetings, okay? But I, I know I must also become English to, to the Englishman, but <laughs> to the English I must become English. Okay. It therefore puts us all in the same place. Nobody better than another. Each dependent on what God can do. As the New Testament puts it, boasting is excluded. And he was particularly honoured because God graciously answered his prayer. God granted what he asked, as God does. Now, Jabez asked for blessing. Okay? Jabez asked for blessing. Now, it sounds a little bit selfish, this prayer. You ever thought that? Those of you who have ever read it before? Those of you who didn't miss it when you went through Chronicles? <laughs> Why didn't he pray for other people? Oh, that you would bless me. Now, it doesn't quite sound how we should pray, does it really? Yeah. You see, again, we need to understand Old Testament culture on this. When you were blessed, you had no idea what the blessing would be. Okay? When often you get it, blessing is very important. See, he was putting himself in God's hands. He was saying, oh, that you would bless me. He didn't say, give me wealth. He didn't even say, like Solomon, give me wisdom. He didn't say any of that. Oh, that you would bless me. And in doing that, he was putting himself in God's hands, de demonstrating dependence and leaving with God what the blessing would be. And if you read the blessings of the Old Testament, when people, an old man would bless his children... As each one came up, they had no idea. What would this be, this blessing? Sometimes people even, like Jacob, crossed his hands so that the oldest wouldn't get a greater blessing than the youngest. In fact, the other way around. You had no idea. You'd know you would get blessed also, in Western culture, we don't fully understand the power of blessing. In many cultures, it is a substantial idea. It's almost physical. It's, it's, it's a 
powerful thing. You know, we, we don't get it. We use the word blessing for all sorts of strange things, like when someone sneezes. Okay? Bless you. What does that mean? Now, in the East, it's power, it's substance. It's almost something you physically carry. That's why blessing was so important in the Old Testament. And, you know, when I'm in the East, people always come, will, will you pray for me? Now I do what I often do. Well, what would you like me to pray for? Oh, just a blessing. No, no, it's not like that. <laughs> it's substantial. It's powerful. Arabic word beraka, Turkish beraket. It's powerful stuff in those cultures. In the book, The Prayer of Jabez, Breaking Through to the Blessed Life by a guy called Bruce Wilkinson, I found this quote I want to share with you. To bless in the biblical sense means to ask for or to impart supernatural favour. When we ask for God's blessing, we're not asking for more of what we could get for ourselves. So it's not just prosperity because you could work harder. You could get promoted. We're crying out for the wonderful, unlimited goodness that only God has the power to know about or give to us. You see? Jabez left it to God as to what the blessings would be. This was not, this is a false gospel that's gripping much of the Christian world today called the prosperity gospel. I encounter it particularly in poorer countries actually, where it's almost, I was preaching it in Kenya once and I, preaching in Kenya once and I spoke about it and where it was wrong and so on. And people, because I do shout out there when you're preaching, you know. <laughs> Said, they said, no, you've, someone shouted out, you've got to say it more definitely than that. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> so I did, you know, because it's false. It's almost, in poor countries, it's almost like the equivalent of the lottery. You know, if we deposit some money in some big person's ministry, maybe one of us will strike lucky and get blessed. It's horrible. So it's not that at all. It's not some sort of automatic thing, slot machine God. <laughs> Instead, the Jabez blessing, focus, can we move on to the next one? Instead, the Jabez blessing focuses like a laser on our wanting for ourselves, nothing more and nothing less than what God wants for us. Okay? Yet God, what God wants for us is often far more than we think we want for ourselves. Okay? Because we mustn't be the opposite of the prosperity gospel, which is, we don't expect much, really. Yeah. As long as we're putting ourselves in God's hands, he wants more than we ask or imagine, the Bible says. Amen. So ask God to bless you in your work. 
Help your sales targets. This is fine. Give you wisdom as to what to say to patients as a doctor or nurse. Blessing you with teaching skills and being able to get, communicate well so that your pupils get it. Bless you with work opportunities. You carry the blessing of God as you ask him. Do you understand? This is fine. It's positive. It's looking to God. But also understanding that what you get is in his hands and will be for your best. We can often think that asking for something is bad. I find it very difficult to ask a favour. It's weird. It's, you know, I'm pretty old now, so I was brought up in the 1950s. And, you know, we were taught in those days, don't ask. As kids, I remember it very clearly. If we went down to someone's house and they'd have all this amazing food out, and our parents would say, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> It was weird. In the Bible, asking is good. Because asking means you believe in the generosity of the giver and the hopelessness of your own situation. You understand? You're honoring the giver when you ask. Jesus commends asking. I don't often quote tweets in my messages, but at the, begin, at the beginning of the year, my friend Edward Burrier, who leads our churches in Kenya, tweeted this. 2018, and it's still that, so I'm okay. A year for the big asking. Solomon asked for wisdom and was given. Hannah asked for a boy and was given. Jabez asked for blessings and was given. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be done by your Father who is in heaven. Okay, you've got two months for big asking, okay? <laughs> it ex to ask exposes our need of God. Ask for the blessing of God in all you do. And in Scripture, when we are blessed, we bless others. You always pass on the favor of God. Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Always do, it's always like that in the Bible. Also, Jabez asked for enlargement. Enlarge my border. Again, we have to understand what that means. Because you remember, these people had just come back to their land, only a few of them, and they were looking for their inheritance the land that belonged to their family. And therefore, Jabez was given, because he, he came a long time before then, as an example of, that's okay to look for your inheritance from God. Inheritance was very important to Old Testament believers. The land, be see, their view of things was very different from ours. The land belonged to God, and he blessed families with the enjoyment of their part of it from generation to generation. It wasn't their land, it was God's land, but he blessed them in having an inheritance within what was his. Jabez was asking to benefit from more and more of what God had for him and his family. What's our inheritance today in New Testament language? It's inheriting the promises of God. 
our salvation through Christ and the Jesus we're talking about promises to everyone who trusts and will follow him and believe that when he died, he died to carry all our sin and guilt away. And when he rose again, he did it so that we could have eternal life. And that inheritance is to be for all. It's also inheriting the promises of God to bless the world. Because the Bible says, remember I talked about Abraham just now? Anyone remember that? Two, two minutes ago, yeah, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> he was blessed and made a blessing, but it was also through his descendants. And because his descendant was Jesus Christ, who is the one that carries the blessing to the whole world, yes? yes Paul says, we are in Christ, therefore we inherit the promise to Abraham. So we are a blessing to the world. Remember that when you go to work or school or university tomorrow. In you go. A blessing to that place. <laughs> and, uh, and we inherit what's called the kingdom of God, which is the taking of the wonderful rule of Jesus into every situation. What's the inheritance of Oasis Church in Birmingham? Well, to reach out to all the diverse... I'm not saying this is only Oasis Church. You understand? (laughs) (coughs) But it's still Oasis Church. To reach out to all the diverse groupings within the city and unite them in Christ. Working classes, academics, students, immigrants, refugees, professionals, the street people, the elderly, and unite them in Christ. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) to influence for God's kingdom through our working lives and our families believing that the church scattered into the city as is important as the church gathered from the city this morning you're gathering from the city most of the time the church isn't gathering from the city most of the time the church is scattered in the city To make disciples of those God's adds to you. Now, couldn't have said this a couple of years ago if I'd preached on this, to have this building that is used to bless the community. And some of you remember, I was reminded of it because I don't remember all the prophecies I give, but that I prophesied about this church at the Catalyst Festival that. It's a time of stepping up into the increased purposes that God has given you. And it is. That's part of the blessing of God for you. To believe God for influence, for harvest, for the fact that you will sow in one sector and reap in another. Richard sent me a copy of what I said so I could remember. Okay. Well, when you prophesy a lot, you don't remember everything. To release more into leadership. To ask for workers. And it is like Jabez, an inheritance born through pain and pressure. Which is what you've experienced as a church. That's not a word of knowledge, as I said in the thing. It's what I know. 
But that's how Jabez's blessing came, through pain and pressure. It was even his name. And Jabez asked for the presence of God to be with him. The hand of the Lord speaks about his power and presence accompanying everything we do. It's used right through the Bible of that. In the book of Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. I'm not going to preach on that. But yeah, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Something's happening now, even to these dead, dry bones. Because God is there. The hand of the Lord was with them, it says in the book of Acts. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And we can pray for this every day. Let the hand of the Lord be upon us. Let God's presence come with me. Believing that a great number will turn to the Lord. And then he prayed, keep me from evil or harm. Now, difficult, the word in Hebrew for evil, because it sometimes means actually evil done to you rather than evil you're doing. So the book of Jonah, the evil of, the, of Nineveh has come up to me. Was it what they'd done or was it what was done to the people there? So... So it's protection from harm. It's good to do this. As you're only too aware, that doesn't mean we don't ever fall ill or go through difficult circumstances. But it's still right to pray that harm or evil to us may not be what marks us. It's right. To pray for protection of the children of God from harm and through difficulty and pain. Jabez went through difficulty, but prayed that God would keep him from that. We're, even today, remembering a national memory of pain. You see, we remember not only those who gallantly and bravely gave their lives. Very important to do that. We also remember that it was a time of great national suffering. And we need to pray for our nation in that respect. Especially as Adrian rightly referred to the growth of nationalism all over the world is a terrible, which when we remember two wars, two world wars fought because of that same thing, racism and nationalism and misguided, there's nothing wrong with patriotism, but when it's misguided to look down on other nations, to want your nation to be the great one, that's evil. And that's what led to it. It's what we remember. It's to be delivered from temptation as well. Temptation isn't sin, but how we respond to it. 
It's overcoming the curse. You see, Jabez's identity would have been linked to his name. We joked about it earlier. You know, pain, misery. But Jabez is saying, deliver me from, deliver me from my name. What does that mean? That pain and misery, though he went through it, was not his identity. That was not his true inheritance. It was the blessing of being part of the people of God. Many suffer under the curse of words bringing failure. Jabez was like that. But he rose above it. I was once, well, earlier this year actually, teaching in a, I was teaching the master's program of one of our theological colleges on apostolic ministry. And in one of the breaks, a young lady on the course asked me to pray for her. And as I did, immediately this scripture came to me. And I said, Jabez asked for freedom from what his mother called him. And she just totally broke down. Because she'd lived under the curse of the names and words of failure that her mother said to her. And whether it's mother or father or other authority figures, people could live under what they've been called. Jabez saying, I'm not going to live under what I've been called. I'm going to walk free and I'm going to ask God to turn it totally round so that it's the opposite to what I've been called. I came across another quote from the book of Chronicles recently. I was reading through, you know, <laughs> skipping the names and then wondering. But no, this is actually from some of the... Uh, this is from one of the more historical bits of it. About a king called Asa. It says this. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. That's a wonderful description of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we trust in you alone. It's in your name that we have come against this vast horde of enemies, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. That's great, isn't it? No one can, but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Some of you even feel like in your work at the moment. God can help you. So, let's pray this prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Together. Okay. Now understanding what it means. Do you understand what it means now? Yes. A little bit? Let's pray together, shall we? After three again. One, two, three. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. 
Let's change it legitimately. Let's pray for our church and put us instead of me. This is a prayer for Oasis Church. Okay? So the first time we get the me, we'll say Oasis Church. And after that, we'll say us. Or we, is that right? Or we? I can't remember. Got it? One, two, three. Oh, that you would bless Oasis Church and enlarge our border and that your hand might be with us and that you would keep us from harm so that it might not bring us pain. God granted what he asked. Hallelujah. Stand together, shall we? Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, let us never be afraid of asking. Lord, let us ask for a blessing and willingly receive the blessings you give us, the situations you open up to us. Just reminded recently, when God spoke to the Israelites about the land of promise they were going to after they came out of Egypt, he said to them, I'm taking you to the land of the Canaanites. Then when they wanted, some of them went, wanted to go in and they came back and said, no, nah, we can't do it. Why? Because the Canaanites are there. God had said, my promise is the land of the Canaanites. They said, we can't go there, the Canaanites are there. Imagine, the promise became the problem. Crazy. And sometimes that happens. We pray for something, then, oh, didn't mean quite like this. God would say to you, as a church, when when I've promised you things, even when you perceive it as a difficulty, embrace it and see it through. Father, I pray for that. Lord, I hadn't intended to say that. I just felt it, Lord, from you just then. And Lord, I pray, let the blessing of God be upon this church. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 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 Amen.